This is mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. You do not have the power. The consumers have the power. Consumers can choose from you versus 26 others, and you all do pretty much the same thing. We live in a busy world with so many things vying for our attention. From the notifications on our phone, the influx of media, coworkers, family. So how do you connect with potential customers before their attention is pulled away by the distractions of the modern world? Today on the podcast, I speak with Chris West, the CEO of Verbal Identity. We dive into this idea of radical brevity. Brands need to be succinct or be left in the dust. He shares case studies and examples that outline the importance of this approach and the impact it can have on organizations. He also shares some words of wisdom regarding investing in your own writers and aligning your team behind a brand voice. Brightspot Content Management System enables marketers to launch in just 100 days. It efficiently manages marketing campaigns on mobile apps or updates investors on your corporate site, handling it all seamlessly. With over 100 plus different content types and templates, marketers can deliver a customized, relevant experience to your audience. Additionally, integrate your current marketing automations platform and SEO recommendations directly from your Brightspot content management system, simplifying tool management. Discover more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends. Okay, I got something. Sweet, okay. Which is, I believe that the most successful, so you know I love writing and you know I love what brand language can do. What I've noticed with the most successful brands is a move to what I would call radical brevity. Mm. No one's got time. Like This is going to be, I reckon, really interesting conversation. It's going to be an hour long. Some people will stick from beginning to end. Most of us got 10 minutes to listen to something, and we got three other distractions. What I see is, let's look at, say, banking world. Old-style banks, you, go on their land, you land on their landing page, and there's maybe 60 words, and they're having to give you 100 pounds to persuade you to sign up with their account. I kind of don't know what kind of world we're in when a bank has to give you money to persuade you to do something. Surely someone there must say, wow, our brand is screwed. We have to bribe people, literally bribe them to want to engage with us. Now, you compare that to the fintech, consumer-facing fintech brands out there who are putting on 10, 20 million customers a year, you know, figures that the traditional banks with a far bigger reach, they would cry for that. And they're doing it with 16 words on their landing page. So there's two mindsets going on. One is the traditional marketing mindset. We have to say everything. We have to be very clear. We have to spell it out. Subtext, consumer's a bit of an idiot. And if we keep on spraying them with words, then they're going to give in at some point. The people understand radical brevity. They're saying, consumer's busy. 
we've got to do the work to understand what's the single best thing about us and explain it convincingly in language. And then they'll come to us and we won't have to give them a hundred pounds. So what I'd say is the logical outcome of that is instead of giving every new customer a hundred pounds, spend that money on a writing professional that can adapt your language to fit the modern customer. That, that's fantastic. It's so interesting. You mentioned the financial example. Um, literally yesterday, I interviewed Andrea Bremer, who's the CMO, head of, C, head of marketing and PR at Ally Financial. Huge, huge bank. A lot of what they're doing, I actually was like, oh, they, they took the opposite road of traditional banks. And that's how they won. They did really well. And at the very end of our conversation, she mentioned this to David and I, and she said, hey, you know, in October, if you're interested, we're going to give people $500 to sign up for Ally Financial. You know, they're doing the same thing. It's like, we're gonna give you $500 to sign up with our bank. And they're doing that starting, I think, in October. And a lot of their, a lot of their uh, strategies were kind of opposite of that, like the way they connected with consumers, the way they looked at the big banks early on and said, people aren't trusting them, let's change it up, right? And then many years have gone and now they're doing lots of things. But that tactic that you mentioned, it's still, still being used. We can go into that a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I think it prostitutes it, it prostitutes the customer and it affects the long-term relationship. If I've bribed you to be my friend, how, how enduring is our friendship? Mm. If you've come to me because you trust my values, how enduring is our friendship? That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I want to circle back to rag, radical brevity a little bit, Chris. And, and today I'm here with Chris West, the CEO at Verbal Identity, thought leader, author, overall just has a, has a perspective and, a, and, a, and an experience around marketing and the language that we use. That's why I wanted to bring Chris on today is because he really gets this kind of modern day world that we're living in. And he also kind of brings back and brings to the forefront how important language is. And so, Chris, I want to kind of get into some of these things. And we talked about this a little bit in the pre-roll, just about how little time executives have, how little time customers and, and, and patrons have. So I just want to kind of set the table here. And you said something really interesting, this term radical brevity and the importance of that. Could you get into kind of where that comes from, why that's so important for executives and marketers alike? And we'd love to kind of get a little insight there. Sure. Thank you. So I think a lot of writing that's going on in marketing is educated by a mindset that is 25 years out of date. So you're very kind enough to say, you know, I've got this uh, experience in, in writing. I started as a copywriter in advertising 25 years ago and then made a, a little bit of a name for myself for being able to handle long copy and long copy really engaged people. It looked like you had something to say. It was, you know, okay. But in those days, in the UK, there were four TV channels. There was no internet and three newspapers and only five magazines you'd want to read. Now there's 500 websites you and I would, would love to have time to read. You know, there's 13 top quality streamers streaming TV. There are great podcasts like this one. Uh, there's YouTube channels. Who's got time, right? Who's got time? Who ever gets to 10 o'clock at night and says, you know what? I've been doing nothing for the, I've had nothing to do for the last six hours. No, everyone's got stuff to do. So the mindset is out of date. And actually, the brands that we see doing really well today have understood this. And they've understood that we're all time squeezed. 
And they've moved their marketing copy, their brand language, to this notion of what I call radical brevity. So we were talking in the pre-roll about, let's look at traditional banks and let's look at, if you land on their landing page, there's maybe 60, 70 words where they're trying to persuade you to become a customer. Not only that, it's a lot of small print and everything else. I'm not, I'm not kind of forgetting the visual impact. But not only that, they're having to give you in the UK often £100 to become a customer, which is crazy. I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of other kind of things that come with that. Maybe we can come back to that, Jeremy. But now you compare that to landing on the landing page of a consumer-facing fintech brand like Revolut here in the UK. And these are brands which are putting on 10, 20, 50 million customers a year. They're kinds of numbers that the CMO of a traditional bank would long for, wouldn't even dare to dream about. And they're doing it with 16 words of copy on their landing page, 12 words of copy on their landing page, not 60, not 70, not 80. Not only that, they're not having to give their potential customer £100 to become a real customer. So why is that? I think because the CMO of the fintech brands understand we don't have time, right? Be clear. Tell me what it is. Tell me what's in it for me. Thank you very much. And if you can't do that in 10 seconds or less, if you can't do it in 16 words or less, I don't have time to consider it. I just, I've been distracted by three WhatsApp messages, two emails from the boss and something else going on in my life. So what I think those brands really understand is you've got to be able to say it in 10 seconds or less, 16 words or less. Not only that, you've got to be really clear what you stand for. And if you're really clear what you stand for and what's in it for the customer, then you don't need to give them £100. You don't need to bribe them to become a customer. So that's what I'm seeing in the move to radical brevity. And it's not just in fintech brands. It's in luxury brands. It's in oh, all, all kinds of industries. So what can, you know, what can a large enterprise, you know, business to business brand, you know, 500 million plus in annual revenue, big comms team, big marketing team, you know, big PR support agencies, all the things, as you know, that they're building and creating all the time, all the time. How can they begin to kind of take a page from this radical brevity book? How can they look at what, you know, could, could appear to be like a pretty operationally clunky, you know, thing considering marketing comms and PR, the things that like drive the bottom line, how can they start? Cause what you're saying makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I know that marketing leaders and marketers are like, we'll get what you're saying, but how do you begin to put the, on the glasses of, of radical brevity and look at your own marketing and look at your own right process at that high level? And then began to maybe extrapolate some things and make some changes. Because again, a lot of these brands that you know we kind of focus on, these large B2B folks, they've got a lot of people and processes and technology supporting all their copy and their language and their campaigns. What do you think is the, the way they can kind of start to pull at this thread of radical brevity at that size and scale? Well, you know, if I was going to be kind of controversial for a minute, I'd say they've got two choices. One is understand that radical brevity is happening, whether you like it or not, mm. and start adopting some of that behavior. The second is wait five years until you've lost 30% of your customer base to the challenger brands, fire all your marketing team, and then get on with it. You know, And I don't mean that to be quite so horrible, but we're all, when we get to a senior position in big enterprises, a lot of us are interested in maintaining status quo. And actually, what's going to persuade us to change? A critical event, perhaps, or a reasoned 
perhaps uh, evidence-based approach. So rather than wait five years for the challenger brands to eat all your lunch and you to be in a crisis, let's take a reasoned evidence-based approach now. And let's try some things. Just try some things. Try something different. So A-B test your landing page. Say, look, we're going to run this landing page with 60 words like we always have. Let's see if we can run something with 15 words or less. Now, to do that, obviously, it's not just a mindset about the number of words. There's got to be this change in how you talk and how you think that customers want to engage with you. And I have a terrible corny old statement, which is, no one wants a friend with features. Everyone wants a friend with benefits. <laughs> so stop writing about your features, what you've spent so long producing, what's so great about you that you've been around 100 years and you've got branches in 72. Forget that, right? They're features. What is the big benefit to the customer? Now, keep going, keep going on, that, on that discussion. Keep going on that discussion until you can get it down to 10 or 16 words, and then that's your landing page. So... Going back to your question, what, what can people do? I think it's time to start seriously testing radical brevity and seeing what happens to your engagement, to your signups, to your loyalty over a period of time. And yeah, it's a big leap, but there's no downside when you're A-B testing. Mm -hmm. Is it more radical brevity, something more to be applied towards like top of funnel or do you see radical brevity still being as necessary once someone says, that's interesting, okay, I'm in, do you think that radical brevity gets to happen all the way through that person becoming a customer? Or is it just in the kind of, get, let's get the dialogue started where a lot of brands just miss this because they're not thinking in that radical brevity way. Does that go all the way through to the end? Or do you think it's more, hey, let's top a funnel is what needs to change? I think there are moments when customers want more detail. Absolutely. So you need to provide the space where you can give that detail to check you know, it's kicking the tires, checking the fuel level, like you, if you're buying a car. But actually, top of funnel, middle of funnel, people want to know, is this relevant for me? Is this going to do what I want? Can they live up to it? That's good enough. Maybe I want to do a second test, which is, you know, are they going to operate in this country? Because I know I go there twice a year or da-da-da-da, or how does this work? Or is their security level good enough? So give me some detail on that. So I'm rationally reassured. But actually, top of funnel, middle funnel, I think it's radical brevity and then provide the spaces where people can jump off and read a bit more. Mm, I like it. Can you give us an example of like a good 16 word or so, like from any brand that you've come across or worked with, like, could we just bring one up or maybe tell us one that you think this is a good example of radical brevity? Well, you know, there's always a danger if I say it, it will be out of date or something like that. The one that's always appealed to me here in the UK is Revolut. So classic fintech, challenger brand, uh, winning lots and lots of customers. And I think if anyone goes on their landing page now, it might well be that there's not six, 16 words. There might be a little bit more. Okay. But certainly they're one of the best explainers of, one of the best kind of demonstrators of radical brevity. I mean, I'm looking at their homepage right now. First thing I see, one app, comma, all things money. Like that's what I see. Then the, sub, the subtext is, from easy money management to travel perks and investments, open your account in a flash, get a free account. That's all you see okay. at the top of the frame. Then it's some big box for their blog. Yeah, it's super clean. There's not a lot of words. To your point, there's not a lot of copy here, especially top like top of page. Yeah. It's like 
Yeah, one, two, three, that's four words, and then, yeah, less than 10 subtext. So great example, great example. And so, so the challenge is, I think you've got to do the work for the customer. Like, so the old days, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're harshing banks a little bit here, but in the old days, you know, what else could you do with your money? In the UK, you had to pick one of the four banks, right? So they knew that we can all be the same. We can all be kind of slightly aloof and slightly superior to the customer. And we'll tell you why we're great. Classic challenger brand scenario is challengers come in and they say, it's not like that. It doesn't have to be like that anymore. And I think that's the mentality that a lot of people in the marketing department have got to understand, right? You do not have the power. The consumers have the power. The consumers can choose from you versus 26 others. And you all do pretty much the same thing. That's so good. So Chris, you know, obviously your time as a copywriter has informed a lot of the way you work now, given your writing and, and, and the brands you work with. Um, you've written something, uh, the quote is, the choice between description and creation is very relevant today as businesses are trying to communicate through densely populated channels, end quote. My question is, how can businesses prepare their employees for more succinct descriptive writing? I think you've got to do the hard work before the words appear on the page. So I think there's, I th there's two kinds of writing. Write, think, write. And the other one, think, write, think. So the old style, I mean, not the old style, for the last 10, 15 years where writers have been asked to fill the space between the pictures, they've been writing, doing a quick bit of thinking, how much more distance to go until the end of the race. Okay, let's do a bit, a bit more writing. So that's write, think, write. Now that we understand that consumers have the power, we have to do the work for them. We cannot expect them to do the work to come to us. We have to do the work to go to them. Then I think the copywriters and the marketing and the, uh, the whole team's approach has to change, which is it can't be right, think, right anymore. It has to be think, right, think. You have to think, what is it that we can offer them? Keep on thinking about how can we make that more and more succinct? Then you get a moment where you can write it. And then you've got to sit back and reflect and say, is that right? Is that correct? Is that as tight as we can make it? Is that, is that true to us? Which is you know, another whole other avenue that we can talk about at some point about how do you make sure that your language is as distinct and differentiating as any of your other assets. Can you take us into someone, a brand, or just, and you don't have to mention names, just someone that you've worked with in the past. Um, take us through kind of a case study of like what you saw before you supported them, you know, what are some of the things you did to help them, and then the results of, of working with them. Just maybe take us into an example. Maybe you could share industry or any kind of specifics would be great. So we're working with a FTSE 100 company. Okay. I have been working with them for quite a few months now. We're not yet at the stage where we can say the work is done and all the proof is there. They are one, you know, if they are a essentially a tech platform. And so you think if you're a tech platform, all of their thinking is quite modern. You know, they're post 2000, they're not, you know, 150 years old. What was really interesting was we were running a workshop on their brand voice, on brand tone of voice. And one of the first things we did in the workshop was say, let's just do this exercise. Jeremy, you've heard it. You know, if you're a good writer, you, you picture your reader and, you know, around the table, 12 people nodded, said, yeah, yeah, I've heard that piece of advice, picture your reader. I said, okay, so that's what we're going to do now. We're actually going to ask you to picture your reader, draw a picture of your reader. I'm going to do it as well. 
So, um, but I want you to do it. Draw a picture of your reader when they read what you are writing, when they receive it and when they start reading it. And um, what else is going on in their life? Everyone kind of said, well, I can't draw. I can't draw. Yeah, I know that's why we're doing it because it's kind of funny, right? It's a level playing field. No one can draw. But let's do it. So they had five, 10 minutes to draw. And at the end, you've got a picture of one of their client users sitting at a desk, looking at something on their phone. They've got three people shouting around them. You've got someone else, one of their consumer users, because it's a B2B2C business, one of their consumer users in the bath reading something that's been written, and they're reading it on an iPad. So I said to the first person, look, what's, what does that tell you? They were like, yeah, it's really interesting. Of course, they are reading it on a mobile phone. I said, so what are the consequences of reading it on a mobile phone? They said, small screen, not much space. Uh, they're going to get pings coming up on their phone whilst they're reading it. And I said, and what's going on around them? Well, they've got three people asking them questions. They need to be able to you know, run that team. I said, okay, so knowing all of that, and you've told me that, I haven't told you that, knowing all of that, what does that make you think about the copy you're going to write for them? And they've kind of put their head in the hands and went, ah, it's got to be short. It's got to be so much shorter. Mm. It's got to be much clearer. If I don't get them within the first five seconds of them reading something, those other three people are going to get their attention and I'm lost. And I said to the person who's end consumer users reading their stuff in the bath, so what does it mean? They said, well, you know, even on an iPad, space is not great, but it's pretty good. But, you know, they're in the bath, so I know I've got a bit more time, so... I can be a bit more indulgent. I can be a bit more figurative. And that's brilliant. That's great. You know, radical brevity isn't the answer to everything, <laughs> but it is the answer to quite a lot. <laughs> but you've also got to pick your moments there where you can roll up your sleeves and, and um, you know, go for a, a lot, slightly longer piece of copy. So what we're seeing with them is, as a business, they've, adop- they've adopted this mindset of radical brevity, you know, and they're having this conversation, look, can we... What about our users reading it on their mobile phone screen? What, what's, what's the kind of three seconds that is going to get them to engage and follow through? How short can we keep it? How can we get directly to the call to action? It's not brutal. It's not bad copy. It's not charmless copy. It's not characterless copy. It's not unbranded copy. It's branded, characterful, charming, but it's shorter. And that's, you know, and that's why it becomes a real skill for copywriters today. Mm. Seems like if, you know, if radical brevity was an ingredient rather than like an actual pie, I would think that that ingredient goes well in a lot of things, you know, and a lot of things. I think it can span outside of marketing, certainly. And I just love that that this is the the flag in the ground that we planted today around radical brevity. It's so important. I think it bleeds into certain the content we're producing, the things that we're aiming to do in the world. I mean, it's just, it's such a relevant thing that I, I don't think we circle back around to enough. So this is great. Um, can you think of, in terms of like measuring success, you know, like do you, do you change the way you measure success now because of your lens on radical brevity or do you still look at the same kind of metrics when you're working with brands? Um, how do you measure success now with like the kind of your approach to, again, radical brevity, the things that you believe in? How do you measure success? Have you created some some different metrics for yourself? Is it the same standard metrics? What does that look like? I think always to be realistic, there's got to be hard and soft metrics. Mm-hmm. And the hard metrics won't really change because 
you know, the CMO's got to present to the board and the board's got to present to investors. And actually, we've all got to agree on these quite hard figures here. And they will be the usual things that all brand marketing people talk about. I think we can look at some of the soft metrics and say, well, on the basis that we're all humans, there are some things which may be harder to describe, but which are more important. And some of those things are around, do we feel that we're getting to the point very quickly? Do we feel we know exactly what we're, what we're about? We're expressing exactly what we're about. Do we feel like we are benefits-led rather than features yelling? So I think it is a mix of those hard and soft metrics. All of those things are often used to substantiate a feeling. Mm. And we've been, you've been in meetings, I've been in meetings where the metrics have been laid out and someone says, yeah, I know it says that, but actually I feel this, right? So you're never going to overcome that. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling is, is most important. And actually, sometimes that's what you need to do with brand language is take a step back and say, look, is that you? Is that who you are as a business? Does it work? When your agency or your in-house team presented this to you, did you kind of smile in the mind to read it? Or did you just go, yeah, that gets from A to B? And that's fine. Because if you didn't smile in the mind when you read it, your customer's not going to either. So I think some of that softer metric or some of that kind of superior feeling is like, is it good? Like, imagine if that was our one metric, is it good? Hmm. Is there anything else like radical brevity that you feel is really important? I mean, look, you've, you at Verbal Identity, you've been in the game with Verbal Identity over a decade You've certainly seen the evolution of business and technology over those past 10, 12 years. Um, what else is like really important to you? Because I know Radical Brevity is, and this has been epic. Is there anything else? And you know, we've got a little bit of time, but anything else stick out to you that's like, also, if you wanted to drive a point home for marketing leaders, for CMOs, for you know, content leaders, et cetera, is there anything else that you want to make sure we touch on today? And I'd love to get into that. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, you know, there's so much. My whole thing at Verbal Identity and in the book, Strong Language, it's all about this idea that you've got to align everyone in your business with your one brand voice. You cannot have your tech team talking in an entirely different way. You cannot have your CEO standing up at the next, you know, quarterly earnings uh, call and be talking in a totally different way to your marketing department, to your customer service department. And that's not a, that's not a big challenge, actually. You know, be clear on your brand voice. And there's a model in strong language, which we can talk about at some point, but there's a simple to follow model. And actually, that's the challenge is to get everyone in the company speaking with one voice. It doesn't mean that they become like North Korea. There's got to be room for personal expression. There's got to be room for character and everything else. You know, just to touch on the model in strong language. Please. It's, is everyone consistent about the 10,000 foot overarching narrative for your business? What is the world that you as a business are trying to create? And is it clear what you stand for in, in trying to create that world? And is it clear what you stand against in trying to create that world? Right? And is that consistent for everyone? Come down from 10,000 foot to 1,000 feet. Is the personality, the character of the writing the same for everyone? Does it feel like it's the same people talking when it's in customer service, when it's in tech, when it's the CEO, when it's in marketing? And then come down to the ground level. Are your choices around grammar, 
consistent? Are your uses of jargon consistent? Um, you know, and you can look at you can look at two pieces of copy, one from Mini, one from Ferrari. They're vastly different cars in real life, and you can perfectly anonymize their copy, take out all the all the clues as to which is Mini and which is Ferrari. And you and I can stand up in front of a room of 12 people and everyone will say immediately, that's Mini and that's Ferrari. How come? And everyone gets it because Mini and Ferrari's copy, their brand language, is really clear on their, on their individual versions of their 10,000-foot worldview, their 1,000-foot character or personality, and their ground-level details. They're really clear. And that's what, that's what your role is as a marketing director or, or a founder of a business or a leader of a business or a you know, you want to grow your business. You want to kind of move into this bigger space for your business. One of the key ways to do it is language. Language cuts through like nothing else because we're a language animal. Language was invented by us humans in order to do two things, share ideas and build communities. And that's what, what else is a brand, but a shared idea in a community. Language, that's why I say language cuts through like nothing else. Don't throw away your visual identity. You sweat at that and it's probably right, but learn from that and then say, how could we do the same thing in our verbal brand, in our verbal identity? By the way, Ferrari.com homepage, one, two, three, four, five words with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight sub subtitle. So, I mean, again, yeah, picture of a car, Ferrari, unlike any other, the prancing horse's first ever four-door seater. That's it. And then there's pictures and stuff you can get into, but like, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's confidence. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. self-knowledge. That's confidence. Yeah. And it's the other thing. It's charisma. Mm -hmm. The movie stars of old said less. Mm. And when they said less, they built charisma. Mm. You know, one of the most characterful moments of Harrison Ford's career is in one of the Indiana Jones things where he says nothing at all. You know, he pulls out the pulls out the gun and shoots the guy with the whip, if I'm remembering the movie correctly, right? But, you know, classically, the characters that say less in movies have the biggest charisma. Mm. And it's the same with brands. So do you have a really, do you have a hard time just watching advertisements and, and seeing things? Because I, I would imagine that you especially probably see all around you every day bad examples of really big brands that are, that are missing this radical brevity and missing this mark around language. What is that? Does that encourage you? Or do you kind of just like, what is that like for you? You've been in the game a long time, but I would imagine that um, you're surrounded by you know a lot, like I said, a lot of brands that aren't doing this. What's that like? What's it like? I, I desperately want to talk to the writers <laughs> and say, can I help you? Like not from a commercial, you know, I'm obviously, you know, I run a business Verbal identity needs to keep the lights on and pay me and pay everyone else and all of that, right? But when I, oh, I want to help the writer and I want to help the marketing director and I just want to say, look, I can make it better. I can help your team make it better. Not just will it be better, but your writers will be so much happier writing better because that's why you hired them. And that's, you know, that's what they've been doing with their life. So we work with a large UK retailer. I mean, we have, you know, we have clients in the States, we have clients in India and in uh, European Union, everywhere, right? But we were working with a, a large retailer in the UK, and I was spending some time mentoring one of their writers. He was a graduate, English language graduate from one of the better universities. And he said, I'm now a shelf stacker of words, right? So, you know, he was comparing himself to the image of 
the person that's just putting product on the shelf. Wow. You know, slightly mindlessly, talents wasted, you know, not being understood for the contribution they can bring and the notion that their job will be replaced by robot pretty soon. And he said, you know, I'm an English graduate, but now I'm a shelf stacker of words. And I just thought, man, right, that's not good for you. That's not good for your life. That's not good for your life. That's, that's you know, we can go into this about how important is it to make sure that the life of your team is actually a pretty good life for them, not just the life of your company, right? And that becomes increasingly important as I get older, I can see that. But what a waste of talent. I get that. Yeah, totally. Which did you do more recently? Change your toothbrush or train your writers? <laughs> Great question. Because we've all been educated now that we know we need to change our toothbrush twice a year, I think it is. And if we don't, what happens? Well, we can keep going. and We can keep going. It can be one year. It can be two years. But actually, it's far less effective as a toothbrush. And then we get serious problems, right? So change toothbrush twice a year. The world is moving so fast. Even if it wasn't, you would want to be updating your, your you would want to be modernizing and evolving your brand very fast as well. You want to be continually relevant. Yet you're expecting your writers to just get it. And you kind of wouldn't leave your finance department untrained. You wouldn't leave your customer service department untrained. You wouldn't leave your your uh, tech department untrained, yet you somehow expect your writers to not be trained regularly. And so that's what I, one of the things I often think about is, have you trained your writers recently? If not, what could you expect? You could expect them, first of all, to stay with you longer, right? You're probably going to save that money straight away. We're fa all facing a hiring and rehiring crisis, right? You could probably save money straight away. People love training. They love being better at what they do. It's one of the critical dimensions of a happy worker is a sense of mastery. So if you're not training your writers, how are you expecting them to become masters of their trade? Secondly, you're going to see productivity gains, right? So isn't that a good thing? And there should be a third thing there, but who needs it after the first two? <laughs> that's great. I mean, I feel like that that's a that's a nugget that I think can be applied, you know, just to anyone that's working within any organization of any shape and size. Talk about retaining high performing people, keep training them, keep giving them resources to be even better. Put them on the path of mastery that by the way never ends. The path of mastery, it always keeps going. But you know, I can count on one hand how many you know, employers that I've worked for in the past decade plus that took training that seriously. And also like beyond like your onboarding training, that's one thing. Okay, let's get onboarded. But what about like continuing to get better and better and better at your craft? We're going to support you at that too. And to your point, Chris, I'm likely going to stay somewhere a lot longer if they're investing in me in that way. So I think that's brilliant. They're going to stay longer. Yeah. They're going to be happier when they're there. So they're going to be more productive. It's it. Jeremy, do you know how many days of training I had in my advertising career when I was working for other people? More than 10 years, I had zero days of training. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, that's it. Nothing. That's amazing. When I started, up, when I started my first business, I couldn't even use an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, I'm so embarrassed now, but you know. <laughs> I get it. No, I totally get it. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's, a it's a thing that's like, it's another big elephant in the room, I think, that a lot of people aren't talking about and pointing out. And honestly, when I have conversations with 
um, a lot of executives across the board, and we talk about the great retention or uh, the great rehiring or, you know, no one's really talking about training and development as much. And I think that's really important to like, let's remember that's a key thing we can do. So that's great. Can I say as well that training comes in three levels of expense? Mm. There's training that we all think of, which is the workshop and maybe a bit of engagement afterwards. That's kind of the standard. Mm -hmm. If you want to spend more, but get far more for your return, it's training plus coaching. Mm. What we found, and there are good models, good scientific evidence that, okay, you put everyone in a room, you teach them, that's great. But actually the real super gains come from offering those people one-to-one coaching. And if you don't want to spend, you know, the top tier biggest return, if you don't want to spend the middle tier, even buying someone a book is a great little piece of training. I mean, a book, 12 pounds, 15 pounds, you give that to an employee and say, look, you know, you know, budgets are tight this year, I know, but I bought this for you. And I'd love to see you reading it in the office sometimes with your feet up on the desk, because then I know you're getting something and you're training, even if we can't afford a full training package at the moment. That's good. That's great. I love that. That's, that's actually good, like tangible things. Any, any size business can think about that. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Any size business can buy a good book right. and give it to an employee. That's so good. Um, where can people find out about you, Chris? Where can they get your book? So the title of the book is Strong Language, the fastest, smartest, cheapest marketing tool you're not using. Fantastic. Okay. By the way, uh, 39 high raving reviews and counting. So, um, so where can people find out about you? Where can they get your book? Where do you, where do you want people to get in touch with you if they want to connect more? So if you want to ask me a question, there's nothing that makes my day better than someone appearing on my LinkedIn feed with a message saying, hey, Chris, we've got this issue, or I've got this question about language or whatever. Can you just give me a quick answer on that? For some reason, I get really delighted by that. So if you want to find me, if you want to ask a question, I post there, I share thoughts, share little bits, some exercises from time to time, then I'm Chris West Verbal Identity on LinkedIn. If you want to find out about our clients we've worked with, and those clients vary from Alphabet's Moonshot Factory over in Silicon Valley to um, General Motors to famous UK names like Mulberry to small startups in day science and uh, beauty, then please come on over to www.verbalidentity.com. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, Chris, this was a fantastic conversation. I love that we took some time in the beginning to think about what's coming up for you being a thought leader in this space. I'm really excited we can do this today. Thank you for being a part of Marketing Trends. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. Bless you for asking me. Thank you. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends 
to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.